Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. I'm going to be reading the scripture this morning from the NIV version. It's uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 13. You can join along if you like. In the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Brent, for reading that. Let me just organize my notes here. We are starting a new series, The Way, and uh, we're going to walk through this Gospel of Mark, and it's an amazing book. Um, A few years ago, we started a Bible study in our home with some of our neighbors in this Gospel, and uh, some of them had never read the Scriptures before, and then we had some of our church family there as well. And I decided to go with the Gospel of Mark because previously I had tried this with the Gospel of John. And if you've ever done that with new people, you start off with this poem, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and then everyone gets confused, and that's where it falls apart. (laughs) So I said, you know what, I'm familiar with Mark. It's an amazing, straightforward, get-to-the-story-of-Jesus-type book. It's the action gospel. Things just keep happening and happening in this book. And so we sat down together and we started reading Mark 1.1, and I'm going to read it for us again, and I thought this should be easy. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. One person's Bible version said, about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And that's where we got stuck for two hours. (laughs) What is a Messiah? Who is a Christ? Why would we need one? And then my favorite part was when my neighbor looked across the table at me and said, are you calling me a sinner? (laughs) You're in good company. It's okay. Hang in there. 
When was the last time you approached the Gospels with fresh eyes? They are so rich as we look at the life of Jesus. There's such a depth to his, his life, his ministry. And yet, we tend to almost jump over them. It's almost like once we learn the Christmas and the Easter story, it's like the rest of the Gospels just filler. So I pray that if you've never dug into the Gospels, that today God would give you an excitement and an endurance to look deeply at Jesus like never before. And that if you've been on this Christian journey for a while, that you would have a renewed passion for the Word again. And that you would also embrace this as an opportunity to be equipped to not only know Mark's gospel, but to be able to teach it to others. And I pray that we would have the blessing to walk people through this gospel that have never read it before. When our kids were little and they were in their car seats, this is a while ago now, but they would sit on that angle looking back up through the window and they would start freaking out when they saw the moon. And they'd just be amazed by this shiny bright planet floating in the sky and it really struck me in that moment how we get so used to amazing things around us all the time and we just take it for granted and so as we look at this gospel which means good news this is the good news that all humanity has been waiting for this is the good news that the angels in heaven looked down from heaven they said we can't believe it God's finally going to do this and we get to receive it, we get to share it, and it's such amazing truth. Mark's gospel was written anonymously, but it's attributed to this guy named John Mark, and he was no stranger of action and adventure. He spent some time with Jesus, and a lot of time with Jesus' disciples, especially Peter and Paul. So maybe it's not surprising, but this gospel actually starts off like a movie. My daughter's into Lord of the Rings right now. She's reading The Hobbit. And so we always have one of those movies. There's enough hours of it, for sure, playing in the background. And, uh, you know, the stories, though, they start off with this tale of a ring that's designed to wield power. And there's this massive battle at the beginning of the first movie where the ring gets lost. And if you know the story, eventually, the ring finds its ways into the hands of a very unlikely person a friendly hobbit named Bilbo Baggins. And he figures out a few of the ring's party tricks, but he has no idea of what he's really holding in his pocket. And there's where the story unfolds. Mark's gospel starts off very similar. He gives the readers an insight that can only come from hindsight. He lets us know right at the start of this gospel that Jesus is the Christ, not just a king, but the king, the Messiah, God's chosen person to bring his plans to fruition, the one who would bring the rule of God, the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven. But the gospel goes even further. Timothy Keller points out that attaching the title Christ to the title Son of God is Mark's way of saying, this is God becoming a person. And let me quote Timothy Keller. He says, but Mark does not just call Jesus the Christ. He goes further. Son of God is an astonishingly bold term that goes beyond the popular understanding of Messiah of that time. It is a claim of outright divinity. And the author backs his claim by now quoting Exodus from the Torah. And then he quotes Isaiah and Malachi from the major and minor prophets. And it's like John Mark is saying 
this bold claim of who Jesus is is completely verified in the whole of Scripture. And sometimes when we read the Gospels, as we get into them, and we start watching the people in the Gospels, we find it kind of strange because the disciples seem a little bit dull, a little slow. And we notice it, right? They say things that are completely ridiculous or insensitive, maybe even cringy at times. Right? They, they argue about who is the greatest. And then they get all worried and, and worked up over whether or not they have enough food after Jesus feeds thousands of people with someone's lunch. At one point, they even suggest that Jesus should maybe rethink his mission of going to the cross. And so we like to poke fun at them because I think deep down we all know that in our own faith, we make these ridiculous errors of judgment and we relate to them. Jesus even affectionately pokes at them and he calls them you of little faith. He's calling them little faiths. And then there's other people in the gospel that we'll encounter and they're just downright hostile and argumentative. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And, and we read it and we kind of think, what's their problem? How can you get upset with a guy whose mission was to heal people and call them to a life of love, compassion, and forgiveness? And the reason we feel this as we get into the gospel is because we know the end from the beginning. We know who Jesus is. He is God. And he comes, I know I'm crackling, I'm just going to keep going. Maybe I'll move a cord around. Are we just going to fix it? Oh, well, that's, that's good. It just holds still and it won't crackle. <laughs> I had one the other day and I That's always a good place to leave off, eh? No, and we wonder, right? These, these people that, they, they see Jesus and it's like they don't get it. But it's because we do know up front who he is. We know that God loves us and that he came for us so that by faith we can receive fullness of life today and eternally. And so the purpose and the tension of Mark's gospel is that he wants us to know the end up front so that we can join him on this action-packed journey to see who Jesus is while the people around him are figuring it out in real time. And the author is pretty amazing because he's quite humble about his own story too. He only makes one appearance in this book. And if you remember, Mark, John Mark loses his robe and he's seen running away naked when the soldiers arrest Jesus. That'll be a great sermon for another day. I imagine when I thought about this and when he wrote the gospel down, it was probably the story that they always reminded him at the campfire. You know, you got to include in your gospel. Remember when Peter cut that guy's ear off? Put that in there. And remember when you ran, yeah, 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 I know, I know. It's just 
We'll, we'll put it in there. In Bible college, I was uh, asked this strange question at one time. The first part isn't so strange. We were asked, have you ever read the Bible, all 66 books? And a few hands went up. That seemed normal enough. But then the next question we asked was a little bit weird. Have you ever let the Bible read you? And it sounded strange. Mark is written in a way where we see how incredible Jesus is. And we're almost frustrated with the others in the story. Why don't they get it? And the whole time, the Bible is actually reading us. Do you believe it? Do you believe Jesus is God, fully God, fully human? Do you believe Jesus performs miracles, heals the sick, sets free the possessed, tests the softness of hearts, engages the human will, and does the impossible? Do you believe Jesus died for your sins and was resurrected from the dead? Do you believe he is Lord and Savior and the only way to come to relationship and know God? Is this gospel good reading or is it good news? And if we look back at chapter 1, enters the strangest person possibly in the whole gospel, John the Baptizer. I'll read Mark 1 for it. It says, And John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And our text will go on and it'll talk about his strained clothing and his peculiar diet of large grasshoppers and honey, which I looked up and technically this is breaking the keto diet. So uh, sorry for those of you. You can have the hoppers, but not the honey. The description is so weird, but it's supposed to stir images that remind us of the prophets of the Old Testament that were a little strange themselves at times. Second Kings 1.8 says, they replied, he had a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. And the king said, that was Elijah the Tishbite. And John is set with a very certain purpose. He's a prophet that's making a path, clearing the way for those with soft hearts to find the Christ. I was trying to think of this in Alberta terms, and the best thing I could come up with is the baptizer was given the green light to put a pipeline directly to God. And it was an amazing moment because for the last 400 years, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, no permits were issued for pipelines. No one had spoken. God hadn't put words in their mouths. And now comes John and he says that. And if you think about the kings of the Old Testament, as powerful as those kings were, they had to answer to the prophets. When the prophets came along, they were accountable to them. And now John says, here comes the Messiah King. And as a prophet, he's not even worthy to touch the shoelaces of his dirty sandals. This king is like no other. And yet, even though he's like no other, every single person now and then is invited to come and prepare their hearts to meet him. And the question of Mark's gospel is, who will come? It's a question that's still asked to us today. Who will come? And maybe another way we could put it, is there anything in my path that would keep me from directly connecting to Jesus? And I love that imagery of the path. Other scriptures use the same image, that our faith is a path. Jesus talks about it being a narrow path and that he is the pioneer for us. And it's this beautiful picture of fullness of life that's an adventure following the way, or the Jesus way. 
And there is a freedom for us to know that our faith is a journey. Because the old hymn tells us that we are prone to wander. We stray from the path. And when I was younger, I used to think faith was like climbing a ladder. And you got higher up and kind of closer to God, if you will. But recently, as a framer, I realized why this image doesn't work. Does anyone here know what the very top step of every ladder says on it? This is not a step. So there I was framing houses standing on the this is not a step step. And I was using a reciprocating saw and I was trying to cut out the pocket for a garage roof beam. And as the OSB board grabbed the saw blade, everything started to shake and shift. And it was too late to get any balance. And there I was, the saw flying through the air one way and me flying through the air the other. It was very ungraceful. And I slammed the ground hard. I can still feel it in my shoulder. When we wander, when we sin and do things in any way other than God's, how discouraging it would be if faith were like a ladder and we'd just fall to the bottom every time we made a mistake. It's so encouraging that our faith is a journey. When we lose our way, it doesn't put us back to square one. We need to repent. We need to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance back out of the ditch and onto the path. But we pick up on the journey where we left off. Yes, sometimes there's consequences to wandering and sometimes there's some scars from going into the ditch. But we still are in God's capable and forgiving arms. And I still hear this, and I've said it myself, this expression that God hit me upside the head with a two-by-four. He got my attention again. And I just want to say God loves you. Sin will hit you with a two-by-four. The devil, he will hit you with a two-by-four. But God is the gentle, loving voice that clearly says right before it swung, duck. Repent. Stay on the path. And like John the Baptist, when you see the clear road of the kingdom ahead of you, you can help others find the way and walk it too. We, church family, are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation, and this is the most radical ministry the world has ever known, to help people remove whatever is in their way from knowing the love of Jesus. Because when Jesus shows up, everything changes, and it can never be overstated. Jesus is so good. Mark 1, 9-11, it says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And I want to kind of paint this picture a bit more because John is preparing the way and Jesus shows up to be baptized. Not because he needed to repent of sin, but because he was marking the starting point of the Christian faith. And last week we talked about our vision, practicing the way of Jesus together, and it includes doing what Jesus does. And we choose to get baptized because it's the starting point where Jesus came to demonstrate that he is here to save us, and we can begin to follow him. And in our text, Jesus is standing in the Jordan River, and it's literally the dividing line between the desert and the promised land from the time of Moses. And Mark is challenging our belief. Do you see who Jesus is? 
Jesus represents the way for all people everywhere to find relationship with God. If they want to experience the kingdom now touching their lives and eternally, Jesus becomes the focus point of all of God's plans to bring the humanity to loving relationship. This isn't a way. This isn't one way to God. This is the way. Jesus is the center where heaven and earth intersect one another. And John lifts Jesus up out of the water at his baptism, and it says the heavens are torn open. The exact same words are used in Mark 15, 38. After the crucifixion and death of Jesus, it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Same word. Heaven has been opened. A path has been made for people to know God again. And it's torn. It's not open like a door that can be closed easily again. It's severed in a way that cannot be easily sealed up. Where the waters once parted so the Israelites could cross on dry land to the promised land. Now the heavens are parted because God is demonstrating his love that he wants to be with us. Jesus' baptism is an invitation to new life. Cleaning under the stairs, I found a picture of my baptism. This is a blast from the past. I think we have a picture here. There I am. 1991, 11 years old. The hair still grew out of the top of my head. And I don't remember my baptism being quite as dramatic as the gospel describes Jesus is, but it was a very memorable day. I remember the excitement of asking Pastor Owen to baptize me. I remember how nervous I was when I shared my testimony, my hands shaking as I was holding onto the music stand with my notes. I remember Pastor Bain almost throwing me out of the baptismal tank because I was so much smaller than the person he baptized before me. <laughs> I also can't count the number of times I've stumbled and fallen off the path since that day. But I've never doubted that Jesus led me to that moment. He continues to pick me up and faithfully guide me day in and day out. And so, again, if you haven't been baptized this is an amazing experience that you get to share with Jesus. So don't hesitate. If you have the slightest nudge or the smallest question, come and talk to one of us here. Any of our leadership would love to answer your questions and encourage you. So back to our text though, the heavens are torn open and a path is laid out. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove above Jesus. And the Spirit is described as hovering above Jesus just as he did above the waters when the world was created back in Genesis 1. It's stunning imagery. Jesus the King is bringing new creation with him. The old is gone and the new has come. It's the good news that God is making all things new and that he's removing our sins as far as the east is from the west. Any hill or valley that needs to be made flat is removed. Anything that would keep us from experiencing God's presence in our lives. God is giving us a fresh start, and who doesn't need one of those more often than not? And over it, we hear the voice of the Father affirming his love and his pleasure over Jesus and his mission to go to the cross. But remember, as we read all this, we have the end of the gospel in mind. We get to read through Mark 
and see the firsthand experiences of those who encountered Jesus. And so think about it. Jesus is standing there between the desert and the promised land. And God's anointing falls upon him. And then instead of a stepping forward and advancing his kingdom, he turns around and he walks off into the desert by himself. It says at once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. What? Jesus turned around, led by the Holy Spirit, goes off into the wilderness to be tempted? Imagine seeing this baptism. Every baptism is a spectacular moment. This one, of course. But then you see the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, the King of Kings, and he goes off on his own. And Mark doesn't give us a whole lot of detail. The other Gospels fill in the story of what happens in the desert. But Timothy Keller writes this, you see, the wilderness isn't just a random detour into trouble. It's a battleground. Jesus goes off into a place of chaos and danger, both physically dangerous with wild animals, spiritually dangerous, the place where evil spirits and the devil were known to be in that time. And Jesus goes to face a real enemy and to claim a real victory. And we're the first people in the Bible story that we encounter, Adam and Eve, way back in Genesis, are in a perfect garden where they have everything that they need. They were tempted and deceived by the devil, and they fall away, representing all of us, falling away from God. And now we have Jesus the King, and he goes into a place with nothing and with danger. And he faces the same adverse adversary, and he comes out victorious. It's incredible. So as we are pointing to today, today's my last sermon before I head off to Connecting Streams Ministry. And so I just want to end by saying it's been an absolute blessing to share. I'll call them these last crazy six months with you. I don't think this time has been normal by any means. But even more, it's been great and a blessing to share the good news of Jesus with you. So I want to close with an encouragement from the text. Stony Plain Alliance Church, Jesus is the good king. Before you could ever choose to believe in him, he loved you and he chose you. He was baptized to start a path for you to follow. He went into the wilderness to fight for you. He went to the cross to claim all the victory and promises of God for you. And heaven was torn open so that you can always be with God. Jesus sees you, Stony Plain Alliance Church, as worth fighting for and worth dying for. He is with you. So keep your eyes on him. Trust in his ways. Trust in the people he has given to guide you as a church family. Jesus is for you, and the best of his way and the best of his kingdom are yet to come. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.